Well, amen. If you have your Bibles, turn to Exodus 27. Exodus 27. We are so excited about Bible school this week. I hope that you will join us this week. Invite others to join us. Next Sunday, we will recognize our July wedding anniversaries. And so if you have a July wedding anniversary, you can prepare next Sunday. We'll recognize you and you can tell us how many years you've been married. Also, next Sunday, we'll start a new series. Uh, it'll take us through the 1st of August. It's called Creation 101. So we're going to look in Scripture at the things of creation, and we're going to learn some lessons from the handiwork of God. And so to kick that off, there is a basket out there as you leave today that's got some seashells. Uh, my wife, Jen, she's down and helping in the nursery today, and she loves to find seashells. So we've got a basket back there, and once you've took all of those, we'll bring some more next Sunday, all right? So this is just, I want you to put that up in your room somewhere. Young people, just put it in your car or wherever just to remind you of what we're what series we're in this, this month and then into August. And so we're going to be thinking about creation, all right? Let me mention also that we're going through the month of July. We're going to do what we call Operation Reconnect, and we need your help with that. Operation Reconnect, we're asking Sunday school teachers, children, preschool, youth, college, young adults, all of our volunteers and all of our leaders to help us reconnect. And we're asking you as a church family Help us reconnect. There's folks who uh, maybe haven't been back because of COVID and have been gone all for COVID. And we completely understand that. But we, we've got people that we miss. People that sit next to you in those pews that you haven't seen in a long time. During the month of July, I'm going to ask you to be intentional. Reach out to them. Send them a text. Send them a letter. Give them a call private message them on your social media. Just say, hey, we're doing Operation Reconnect, and we just want you to know we've missed you. And if you're not in church somewhere, come on back and be with us. And so during the month of July is Operation Reconnect. And then in August, we're going to do what's called Operation Rescue. And that means our focus in August is going to be on those who are unchurched, those who are lost. We're going to be focusing our prayers in August. We're going to be looking for opportunities to share the gospel. We're going to invite them to the crusade that's going to happen in August. We're going to invite them to church here to be under the preaching of God's word. And we're going to look to, for God to do a great work. And so in August will be Operation Rescue. All right, now let's get into God's word. Today is Lord's Supper. If you're here today and you're a guest... We have open communion. That means even if you're not a member of Ridgeview, if you're a believer, if you've repented of your sins and trusted in Christ, you are welcome to, in, to be involved with us at the Lord's Supper. You're welcome to partake with us because we're a family of God because of Jesus. And so in just a few moments, we'll go to the Lord's table. Exodus chapter 27, verse 20. We're talking about the olive oil press. I've never preached about this, never even thought much about it. I was reading the article and it really just got me down a path. And I believe it was the Holy Spirit leading me here. And so we're going to talk about how olive oil is produced. How many of you use olive oil in, in some, some way in your homes? A lot of you. Most of you use olive oil in some ways. You think about olive oil in biblical times, it was a stable, it was a very important in their daily lives. 
olive oil, the oil would have been used for lamps. We're getting ready to read about that. It would have been used for cooking. It would have been used for religious anointings. Also, some of the sacrifices had olive oil, had oil as part of that. It would have been used for medical reasons. And so it had many uses. And this verse just brings attention to how do you get olive oil? You know, for us today, we don't think about those things. How do we get olive oil? Well, we go to the store. That's how we get olive oil. But there's a process to get olive oil. And so listen to verse 20. It just kind of points us to where we're going. It says, And you shall command the children of Israel that they bring you pure oil of pressed olives for the light to cause the lamp to burn continually. So that's going to head us down our path today as we think about what it means, how do we get olive oil. Uh, I want to read you a card as we go to the Lord in prayer today. And as we pray, remember Isabel. Brian, go ahead and share with us now if you'd like. Brian wanted to share with the church. Yeah, thank you, Kelly. Yes, sir. Amen. And what day do you leave, Brian? Uh, we leave uh, Sunday. Sunday. So a week from today. Yeah. Okay. Amen. So the surgery on the 12th and testing. Seventh. So lives. Okay. So all of our live stream folks, Isabel's surgery will be on the seventh and testing on the fifth. And they'll be leaving Sunday. So praise the Lord. Uh, live stream, they did meet their gold. And so ready to go. So we praise the Lord for that as you head to Germany. Card from the Carmax, Dear Ridgeview family, how did we get so lucky to belong to such a wonderful family? You blessed us tremendously through food, text, phone calls, heartfelt gifts, babysitting, words of encouragement, especially prayers during the sickness and passing of Jim Coda, a.k.a. Dad and Papa. We can't even begin to thank you for your kindness and love and friendship. Humbly, the Carmax. So continue to remember Sherry. Let's pray together. Lord, it has been a blessing to be here with your people on this your day and this your place as we have worshipped you. We have worshipped you as we have dedicated Emma today and the gift that she is. We have worshipped you in our giving. We have worshipped you in our Sunday school classes as we studied your word. We've worshipped you as we've, we've sung. And now we're going to worship you as we read your scripture, as we study your word. Lord, may you teach us today. May your Holy Spirit. I am a, I'm a jar of clay. I am filled with weakness and fear and trembling. And Lord, it is only through you that the things that you want to happen will be accomplished. You want to work in our lives today. Your, your word goes forth 
It does not return void. You want to challenge us. You want to reach those today who are lost and draw them to you. And Lord, you want to do a work in our lives. We thank you for Emma. We thank you for the twins. Lord, we pray a blessing on those who are expecting that you would bless them. Lord, we thank you for the Supreme Court decision in regards to Roe versus Wade. We thank you for how you're at work in our nation. We thank you, Lord, for this opportunity for Isabel. We thank you for providing for them. We thank you for the generosity of people. We pray, Lord, for the testing on the 5th and the surgery on the 7th. And as they travel, we pray, Lord, your hand upon them. Lord, you are going to accomplish great things and get glory through all this. And we pray for healing in Isabel's life. We pray, Lord, that you would be at the Carmack family and other families who've had deaths. We think of the church family and others, Lord, who have had deaths. We pray you would minister to each of them. Lord, we pray for Bible school. We pray that many children and young people will come to know you this week. We pray, Lord, thanking you for the, the hard work of all of our volunteers for this week. Give them strength. We thank you for Upward Soccer. And we pray, Lord, that you would use this ministry, Lord, in a great way to reach people with the gospel. We pray for the crusade, Lord, that you would bless it and use it. We pray now, Lord, that you would speak into our lives. We remember today, Jesus, what you've done for us. And we pray all this in Jesus' name. Amen. Well, let's talk for a little bit about the oil press. So when we think about this oil press, there's going to be a couple of pictures. I'm going to ask the guys to put up for us. How is olive oil processed? How do they extract olive oil? Well, it comes from olives. What they do is they gather the olives, and when they get the picture up, are we going to be able to get it? Working on it? There it is. Awesome. So they'll put the olives in this stone container, and there's this big stone wheel, heavy wheel that would be pulled by an animal or by a person, and it would begin to crush those olives. So that's the first step. That's the crushing of the olives. Here in this passage, it says pure oil of pressed olives. So it begins by crushing the olives. And then the next picture shows they will take what's been crushed out of those olives. They'll take and they'll put in some bags. They'll stack the bags on top of each other. And they'll take this heavy timber and they'll press it down with weights on those bags. And that will extract the olive oil. They also pour hot water on it to help extract. And so there is crushing. There is this heavy pressure. And there's hot water. And there's all of this that's happening so that olive oil can be extracted. So we're going to spend our time talking about, in relation to that, about how Jesus was crushed for our salvation. Look in Mark chapter 14. Turn with me to Mark chapter 14. We're going to look at a couple of passages together today and really just relate this to this understanding of this olive oil press. When I begin to study this, man, it just like is like, wow. Uh, especially when you think about what we're going to read about here in Mark chapter 14, verse 34. Verse 32, he says, he came to a place which was named Gethsemane. So Jesus, thinking about when he went to Gethsemane to pray, the scripture teaches us that he went there often. He went there several times. And so he would go there to pray. The name Gethsemane means oil press. 
So think about it in Gethsemane. Think about that some, some reason, whether it was an oil press at some time or in Jesus' time, it was known that name means oil press. So that means even there in the place where he went to pray, it was related and known as an oil press. And so think about Jesus when he went to pray. Verse 34 gives us a glimpse of his time here. It says, then he said to them, my soul is exceedingly sorrowful. Even to death, stay here and watch. You can read on down. It says there in verse 36, he prayed, take this cup away from me. Nevertheless, not what I will, but what you will. Scripture teaches us that he prayed that three times. If there's any other way. You see, here in the garden, we're thinking about the crushing of olives that would make olive oil. Here in the garden, there was a crushing of Jesus. It says he was sorrowful even under the death. We, we know he, he prayed and it was like blood drops. It, there was such intensity of such sorrow. There was such a, there's such a time, time of prayer. Here he was praying. And he says, if there's any other way, if there's any other way besides me drinking this cup, but not my will, your will. Jesus came to die. He came to die for our sins. When we think of that cup that he was drinking from, it was a cup of sorrow. It was a cup of, of suffering, all the physical suffering, emotional suffering, spiritual suffering. It was a cup of separation. He was going to be separated from the one that he is one with, the Father, separation. And it was a cup of the bitterness of sin. Jesus knew no sin. Jesus was perfect. He was sinless. If you believe that, say amen. amen. He never sinned. But here in the garden... He knew that he would be drinking from that cup of which he had never known. The bitterness of our sin, my rebellion, my wage of my sin is death. And so here we see the crushing of Jesus for us. Go, go to Isaiah 53. We can't even think about this without thinking of the suffering servant. The verse in your bulletin has this verse out of the CSB, verse 5 out of the CSB. But let's read verse 3 through verse 10. And think about, again, how olives are crushed and how they're pressed so that this can be provided, olive oil. Think about, as we're reading this, how Jesus was crushed and provided salvation for you and for I. Think about how, that we, how we take this, this cup, we take this bread, and we take this juice, and we're remembering how he died for you and for me. He gave his life for us. He was crushed. Look at verse 3. He is despised. This is talking about Jesus. He is despised and rejected by men, a man of sorrows and acquainted with grief. And we hid it, as it were, our faces from him. He was despised, and we did not esteem him. Why was he a man of sorrows? Why was he a man acquainted with grief? Because he knew why he came. He knew the moment in Gethsemane when he would have to drink of that cup. He knew the moment on the cross when he would have to die for our sins. He came to die for us. Verse 4, surely he has borne our griefs, carried our sorrows. Yet we esteemed him stricken, smitten of God and afflicted. But he was wounded for our transgressions. You can even put my transgressions there. You can make it personal. He was wounded for my transgressions. He was bruised. Some translation says crushed for our iniquities. 
chastisement for our peace was upon him. By his stripes we are healed. All we like sheep have gone astray. We have turned everyone to his own way. And the Lord has laid on him the iniquity of us all. We have all gone astray. We are all sinners separated from God, deserving hell. Verse 7, he was oppressed and he was afflicted, yet he opened not his mouth. He was led as a lamb to the slaughter and as a sheep before its shears is silent. So he opened not his mouth. Jesus willingly went to the cross. Can you say amen? He willingly gave his life a sacrifice for us. Verse 8, he was taken from prison, from judgment. Who would declare his generation? For he was cut off from the land of the living. For the transgressions of my people he was stricken. And they made his grave with the wicked. He was hung with thieves. But with the rich at his death. There in the, in the tomb. Because he had done no violence. Nor was any deceit in his mouth. Yet it pleased the Lord. To bruise him or to crush him. He has put him to grief. When you make his soul an offering for sin. He shall see his seed. He shall prolong his days. And the pleasure of the Lord shall prosper in his hand. Verse 10, yet it pleased the Lord to crush him. We celebrate the Lord's Supper today. We are reminded that Jesus was crushed for us. Just like olives have to be crushed so you can extract olive oil, this valuable source of so many things, yet Think about our salvation, how valuable our salvation is, how priceless our salvation is, and how did we get it? By the crushing of Jesus. In just a moment when you take that little piece of bread and we put it in our mouths and we eat it. Let us never forget that it was Jesus' body that was broken. He was crushed for us. Lord's Supper is a time that we remember it's a time we reflect. It's a time that we respond to what Jesus did for us. It's a time that we renew our walk with Christ. I want to take this now and apply it to our lives as we think about this crushing. Look in 2 Corinthians chapter 4. In our few minutes together before we go to the Lord's table, I want to, table, I want to talk to you real quickly about three things out of this passage in 2 Corinthians. This will be very quickly, and then we'll go to the Lord's table. 2 Corinthians chapter 4, verse 1 through 10. Therefore, since we have this ministry, as we have received mercy, we do not lose heart. Hear me today, do not lose heart. But we have renounced the hidden things of shame, nor not walking in craftiness, nor handling the word of God deceitfully. Think about the Judaizers who, who were trying to just be false teachers. Nor handling the word of God deceitfully, but by manifestation, demonstration of the truth, commending ourselves to every man's conscience in the sight of God. But even if our gospel is veiled, it is veiled to those who are perishing. Whose minds the God of this age has blinded, who do not believe, lest the light of the gospel of the glory of Christ, who is the image of God, should shine on them. God of this age, that's Satan. He has blinded the minds of those who are still lost in their sins. Their minds are blinded. If you're here lost today or if you're listening online and you're lost, Satan has blinded your mind and you haven't heard the gospel. The, the light of the gospel hasn't shown into your heart. Our prayer is, is that it will today. Verse 5, for we do not preach ourselves, but Christ Jesus the Lord. 
and ourselves your bondservants for Jesus' sake. Patrick, myself, Jose, other preachers that are in this sanctuary today who are listening online, we never preach ourselves, we preach Jesus. Amen? It's always Jesus. It's never ourselves. For it is the God who commanded light to shine out of darkness. Now listen to this. This is us who has shown in our hearts to give the light of the knowledge of the glory of God in the face of Jesus Christ. That's us. We were in darkness. Light of the gospel shown in our hearts. We repented of our sins. We trusted in Christ. Verse 7. But we have this treasure in earthen vessels, jars of clay, that the excellence of the power may be of God and not of us. That's why he uses weak vessels like this guy right here. He uses weak trembling, fearful people like me because then he gets all the glory because I can't do this on my own. You can't do that on your own. It's all him. Verse 8, we are hard-pressed on every side, yet not crushed. We are perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Always carrying about in the body of the dying of the Lord Jesus that the life of Jesus may also be manifested in our body. Real quickly, the first thing is this. We're crushed for surrender. Matthew 21, 44 talks about Jesus as the cornerstone. It says, you'll either fall on the stone and be broken or the stone will crush you. We who are believers, we were crushed by our sin. We were convicted of our sin. When the light of the gospel shone in our heart, we came to a place of repentance. We came to a place of brokenness. I've sinned against a holy God. I deserve hell. I'm in rebellion. We come to a place of conviction. We come to a place of brokenness and we fall on that cornerstone and we, we're broken for our sin. We surrender to Jesus. We are broken. If you choose not to be broken for your sin, if you choose not to repent of your sin, then one day when you stand before a holy God, you will be crushed by your sin. Our sin was crushed here who are believers. We were crushed for our sins and we surrendered to Christ. If you do not surrender to Christ, you don't repent, you will be crushed by your sin and cast into a place called hell for eternity. I pray today that you would be broken for your sin instead of crushed by your sin. Church, we need to pray for those who have minds who are blinded by Satan. We need to pray that God would open their eyes, that God would work in their lives and would, would bind the working of Satan in their lives and they would see clearly the gospel as we share. We share our lives and our testimonies with them. We pray that God would set them free. Jen and I went to Florida for two weeks and I'm so thankful for Patrick and for Steve and Gary and Carl, all these guys who filled in for me and Dave and, and um, my mind just went blank. Dave and somebody else taught on Wednesday. Thank you, Luke. These guys all filled in for me. While we were in Florida, it's been the month of June. My heart's just been heavy because in Florida, I'm sure... In other places, there was such an emphasis on it being Pride Month. I mean, just so much. And it's just been heavy on my heart. And I just want to say today, for 16 and a half years, I've tried to speak truth in love. So I want to do that right now for just a moment. In this passage, in 2 Corinthians, Paul says, We've not renounced the hidden things of shame. We have renounced the hidden things of shame. He says we're not walking in craftiness. We're handling the word of God deceitfully. We demonstrate the truth. We're speaking the truth in love, Paul says. And so I just want to say, first off, my problem that I want to address is not with society. 
Society does what they do because their minds are blinded. Sinners sin because that's what they do. That's who they are. The issue I want to talk about for just a minute, because I don't want to be one that does not renounce the hidden things of shame. And I don't want to walk in craftiness or handling the word of God deceitfully. I want to speak truth because our young people and our children and moms and dads and senior adults, you're under attack. It's everywhere. So let me just speak very clearly today. And again, my problem's not with the world. My problem's with the people of God. I want to speak clearly about the issue of homosexuality. God's word clearly says homosexuality is disobedience to God's plan. It is sin. Just the same as sex before marriage is sin, adultery is sin, transgender, lust, pornography. These are all also sin. And let me just say this. We as God's people, again, the world does what it does. I have no problem with them. But when the people of God celebrate and take pride in what God calls sin, that should not be. We are to be different than the world. We are set apart. We're not to celebrate and be pride, have pride about what God says is sin. We as God's people will always speak truth in love. And we need to dedicate ourselves to pray for those who are bound in sexual sin and pray for God to bring healing and God to bring just a work in their life. And I just want to clearly say, if you're, if you're wanting to be part of a church that speaks truth and love, then you're at the right place. But if you're looking for a church who's going to endorse and embrace that which God calls sin, then you're at the wrong place. Or you have the wrong pastor. I will put it that way. We are, there is a line in the sand. And we as God's people have to be a people who are set apart. We cannot be embracing and endorsing what God has called sin. Do we love those who are bound in this sexual sin? Yes, we love them. We'll show grace. We'll show compassion. We'll speak truth and love. But we cannot compromise. And so as we think about being set apart, that's the second part here in this passage is that we're crushed not only to surrender, but for sanctification. We're set apart. Things of life that come unto us. Look here back in the chapter. Look what he says there in verse 8 and 9. I'm hard pressed on every side. I'm perplexed. I'm, I'm for persecuted. I'm struck down. We're going to go through those times. Some of you right now are, are being crushed by life. You're struggling financially. You're struggling in your marriage. You're struggling with life. You're struggling with your health. You're struggling with your kids. You're struggling with your grandkids. You got this. You're being crushed by life. Let me tell you something. When we're crushed by life, God is at work in our life. You know, when they crush the olives, that's when wonderful olive oil was extracted. As the world crushes us, God is at work through that crushing to grow us, to become more like Jesus. Through suffering, we become more like Jesus. We're, we're becoming, we've got this great treasure of the gospel in these jars of clay. And as these jars are broken and as we're crushed, it gives opportunity for the glory of God to go forth. And that's the fourth thing, the glory of God. We're crushed so that Jesus, our Savior, can be glorified. Think about olive trees. The crushing is not the end of them. It's just the beginning because out of that crushing comes olive oil, useful 
2 Timothy chapter 2, verse 21, the end of that verse says, We need to be vessels for honor, sanctified and useful for the master, prepared for every good work. Jars of clay have to be clean. They have to be available. They have to be empty. When crushing happens in our life, he's emptying us of our pride. He's emptying us of our self-dependence. He's emptying us of all of this sin and relying on the flesh. And he's preparing us into a place where God can use us. And he'll do great things in our life. This passage talks several times about the glory of God. That our crushing is for the glory of God. He says, you're hard pressed, but you're not crushed. You're perplexed, but not in despair. Persecuted, but not forsaken. Struck down, but not destroyed. Whatever it is that's happened in your life, whatever the crushing is, God is at work in your life to grow you and to get glory. And he's going to bring you through that crushing. He's going to bring you through that and he's going to be with you. And you're not alone. The church family will be with you. As well. When the world crushes us, God is producing something of great value. Just like olive oil, He's producing His glory and He's growing us to conform to the image of His Son. If you're here and you're lost today, we pray you would receive Christ. You would repent of your sins and trust in Christ. Lord's Supper is a time of preparation. Our invitation is a time for you to come and to prepare your hearts for the Lord's table. Get your hands clean and your heart pure. Stand with me for prayer. Lord, thank you for the sacrifice you made for us on the cross. We celebrate your body that was broken, your blood that was shed. Lord, we pray now that you will draw us into your presence. Prepare our hearts for the Lord's table. Draw those to you who are lost, we pray in the name of Jesus. Just keep your heads bowed, if you will. We're going to take just a moment to prepare ourselves for the Lord's table. You're praying right where you're at. If you're here and you're lost, we have folks here at the front who would be glad to share with you how to become a follower of Christ. Would you come and say yes to Jesus today? Repent of your sins. Trust in Christ. Either be broken for your sin or be crushed by your sin one day. Is there something in your life you need to confess right there in your pew? Get your hearts right before you go to the Lord's table. Paul says in 1 Corinthians, he says, to examine yourselves. Examine your heart. Is there unconfessed sin? Is there relationships that needs to be restored? Take these moments to prepare your heart.